As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, you've been waiting for it. Begging for it. Gen Con Part 2. Oh man. JJB. Harry something. H. <laughs> Could say something mean, I'm not going to. Keep listening for more Gen Con related goodness. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of the University of Guelph or some sort of uh, Serbian war zone. Uh, I think I heard uh, a bit of Serbian being spoken downstairs, and buildings are collapsing. And um, gunfire. So they're, they're <laughs> that's just me rolling in, <laughs> letting everyone know. <laughs> I like this university so much. I'm gonna bust a cap in it. That's how it works. Uh, no, if you do hear strange noises, it's because I'm grinding my teeth out of extreme envy. Uh, or I'm I'm pounding the desk rapidly as if I'm jackhammering. Ha, jackhammer. And Do you think this is just the first step of them closing the studio? <laughs> <laughs> it's really... And we're just going to create a whole bunch of noise around you and just ignore <laughs> you until you have to leave. It's not even subtle. It's, they're literally <laughs> taking the studio apart. <laughs> I would not be surprised if it there kinda, was... It kind of feels like a Miyakazi book, just like slowly... Miyakazi? Um... Am I getting the name wrong? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, you? you know the one. I, I actually shared a couple with you where he's uh, sort of in the surreal and he goes down into a into a well. Who? And there's somebody who's captured. The author of like the Wind Up Bird Chronicle. Yes. Oh, exactly. Japanese. I understand what you're saying now. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's just this uh, slow bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah. pushing up against you and, and you have no power to resist it's just slowly going to take over everything I think the if the Christopher Curry listens to this he would understand the your reference and maybe appreciate the Kafka-esque reference of the, the yeah. bureaucracy strangling uh, the lifeblood that is this station but for people who are interested we are going to keep this the blood pumping until yeah. uh, they, they pull the microphone from our cold dead fingers or until I get too bored to do this anymore. Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> um, without further apu, we're going to get right back into the Gen Con talk. And like I said before, we've got Joel back in the studio after, feels like a two-week hiatus. Yep. Sort of, but we you had you on phone. That doesn't count. It's how, how long did I go there? Because I wasn't tracking the time. All I knew was that <clears throat> Mulan Cafe Pizza had shown up, and I can't say no <laughs> to that. Mulan Cafe? I don't even know. What is this? Mulan Cafe, I guess, in French Mulana. is like the coffee grinder. Oh, okay. And it's like the only joint in town, in uh, my wife's hometown in New Brunswick. Oh, okay. My wife. Them. Even though they're the only joint in town, their pizza is legendary. Really? Now, is it actually legendary, or are you just so desperate for pizza that it turns <laughs> That's legendary? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's delicious. Shout out to La Mulana. Great game, by the way. Uh, and I've got uh, Harry Hall. Hello. Uh, how you doing, Harry? Good to be back. Uh, good. Excited about uh, Gen Con topics. Played a lot of new war games. Did you know? Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. So um, I'm not sure whether we should start with the games you guys played, and you can kind of go back and forth on this stuff, because we can turn this into a general hype show, and you can you can shill the stuff that you either purchased or played or had dangled yeah. in front of you. and Or hate on. Or hate yeah. on. Well, <laughs> let's get going then. Um, so I'll let you guys go. Start talking. So last week, uh, Joel, you uh, called in and started talking about some Gen Con topics. Yeah, so I I tried to go through my... <laughs> my experience of Gen Con chronologically and made it almost through the first day before we had to go. Right. So this was your first Gen Con, my second. Yeah. <laughs> Harry, by the way, Harry is coming across as like Yoda at this point, yeah. as if he's some grizzled veteran. I can show the way. Gen Con yeah. <laughs> he knows all the mistakes I made. <laughs> he watched gonna, you make He's going to rub them in my face. <laughs> this is brutal. <coughs> Excuse me. So you signed up for an event, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just, uh, it's crazy as always. I mean, this is only my second. We made a bunch of mistakes. in The fir- the first time uh-uh. I went last year, I signed up for too many events. 
didn't leave enough free time just to play board games. Mm-hmm. And this year I did it again. You ended up ditching at least three events, right? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Two D and D's. You? S- I forgot you signed up for D and D. I had signed up. I love D <laughs> and D. I was really excited to play it, but I ditched D and D just to go play more board games. Yeah. I had a, a list of like twenty so board games I'm I really wanted to demo because I wish I had. Yeah. Um, really? This is. I mean, the two of us barely, I think we did, but we barely made it through our list of games to look at in Gen Con. We probably finished on the Sunday, <clears throat> which is the last day. Yeah. Well, the, the truth is I don't regret any of the events I went to. I actually really enjoyed all of them, but I still deeply regret not having enough time in the in the exhibit hall. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just going to happen every year. Yeah. Well, you talked about this last, or on the phone, I think it was on the phone with you, and it just, to me, it seems like you got to pick what you're going to Gen Con for. And to yep. me, it, sure, it's neat to sit down and play games there, but I would almost ignore it completely and just look at stuff or maybe get a little taste. Well, the designers are there, and they want to talk to you about their game and the demos. And I was I was just thinking when we went to Academy Games how much you would have enjoyed talking to those I, guys. But that's they were it. so enthusiastic. I'd love to talk to them. And there's the games you love right in front of them. But that's it. you got to budget your time. And yeah. it seems like it's such a finite resource, as you guys have pointed out so many times, that like when you're talking about sitting in the, what was it, the Board Game Geek hotness room or whatever mm. and playing games for like two, three hours. Eight hours. Like eight hours in there. Great. That's tons of fun. But... I don't know. Was it was it worth it? I mean, we we basically we had to budget it. We only did the board game geek hot games room in the evening because the exhibit hall was closed. It was right, kind of yeah. like our backup. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh well, we'll do this if we have to. Once our yeah, I mean, maybe next year I'll just make events after five. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Until you see some events. Well, this one does. I have to do this one. Yeah. It's only scheduled right sure. here. I should mention for listeners who are interested in things like role playing games. I mean, we went as a group of seven people, and the two of us. We're pretty much only interested in board games. We were far away in interest from everybody else. There were yeah. people going to uh, workshops. There were people going to like self help something something. What? Yeah, I mean the, the majority. Something. The majority of the people we went with played no board games. <laughs> and LARPing. I would say. Yeah, and LARPing. There's a there's a bunch of furries there as well. Yeah. That's pretty exciting. So Jack, you can come next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Home run from Harry. But yeah, I mean, to your point, I guess that's something you'll uh, you'll notice as we kind of go through this list of games. But it's so short on time. You play so few full games. You play a lot of demos. I actually yeah. think that the games that are pretty limited complexity <clears throat> or short to play or easy to understand uh, really show off better in kind of this convention well, format. They have a big advantage. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you guys about because walking out of this, because you did, you got to. I'm sure you'll touch on this in a couple of minutes, but you got to see the Western Empire's uh, demo oh, yeah. thing. To me, that is a pure enthusiast game that there are very few people walking by who don't already know what this is and just want to see it or possibly get an idea of it. As a po- And how are you supposed to show off a game that can go six, eight hours or 12 hours, something like that? You can't. Yep. But something smaller and quick and digestible, that's why some, maybe some of these games get so big and why so many ma- people are making these small, medium-weight Euros because everyone can just immediately rock onto it and just go, yeah, yeah, this is great. I, I love this game. It's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Like, we did a demo of One Small Step, and I still don't understand how it works. <laughs> well, how could you? It's <laughs> I like don't a, know if you do. We, we did, like, a, I don't know, a 30-minute demo or something, and it was just enough to understand kind of how, how to play the game. Where it's like, oh, I see how their strategy, and then that's it. But what's yeah. a, you know? you're teaching me the game that I'm not going to remember how to play. Yeah, <laughs> but Isle of Cats, I know exactly how to play Isle of Cats. Or and like, that was like a 10-minute demo. I mean, one of, the, yeah. one of the most popular games at the convention is uh, Exploding Kittens. Yeah. Which, which Joel explained. It's huge. And, yeah. I don't get it. I mean, it's I guess it's just like, you know, it's simple, it's popular, it's it's good art. And they were giving away <coughs> free stuff. And they're giving away free stuff. Oh, that's it. I forgot the, the, well. the roulette or whatever, or the random wall that you get stuff from. Um, all right, so... The events you're saying you would budget th- your time differently, and you would you wanted more D and D, or Joel wanted more D and D, and you wanted uh, less events, maybe. No, or I wish I hadn't gone to my D. Well, no, I really enjoyed doing the D and D, but the thing is that I lost uh, another morning that could have been spent in the exhibit hall. Right. Could yeah, have seen all these games better. that Harry saw. So he saw a lot more games than I did. We saw a lot of games together. But overall, I think I missed out on the 446 games that were released, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. 
which obviously you're never going to be able to demo them all yeah but you can try to demo the good ones yeah and you have to be pretty critical when you're walking around because there are so many vendors and it kind of sucks because the designers are there too but sometimes you go to a booth and there's somebody working at the booth who could be the designer and they're like hey can i tell you about my game and you listen to the short pitch and they're like do you want to demo it and you "Mm, no okay you gotta be hard it sucks yeah like when we went over to get the bags we went yes. over to get his bag the first day, and then we each bought a bag the next oh, day. Oh, you bought one too? <laughs> yeah. yeah nice. but, uh, but right in front of it, before we got to the place where you could do point of sales, we got roped into another day, which I was actually pretty good. The it game was, was all right. Currency? Yeah, it was like quantitative easing. Yeah. Oh, I, I heard that was a great game. Because like, yeah. it's one of these games, there's no limit on the money you can generate, but the person who spent the most money in the loses. game loses. So. Yeah, it was <laughs> hilarious. Because the first bid was like $7, and then the second bid... <laughs> Uh, the designer of the game, just for a lark, put in two thousand dollars, and yeah. Harry put in five thousand. <laughs> well, that's it. The game just it just skyrockets out exactly, of control. Yeah. I've heard great things about good, it. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into what games you you guys saw that you can talk about. A boot. Should we start with games that we purchased? Yeah, let's do it because those ones we really committed. Put to, your money obviously. where your mouth was. I mean, Wingspan is not new, but we did purchase it, and we've been playing a lot. Nobody yeah. here. Let's talk about Wingspan for two seconds. It might as well be the like talk about it anytime because nobody has it. it. You guys went to a place where they actually sold it, and yeah. I don't know anyone who's shelling ninety bucks on Amazon for copies. I mean, the, the wild thing is that Stonemeyer actually wasn't there selling Wingspan. It was a like Meeple they Source, a third party who was selling Wingspan, who I guess had procured it through their supply chain. But the designer was still there. But she's also not from Stonemeyer. So it's right, almost like exactly. Stonemeyer just slapped their name on us, and then totally. they had a, a completely different person <clears throat> who made it, completely different group of people selling it, and they're like, Stonemeyer presents. Boom. Totally. I mean, that's the business that they're in. Like, yeah. last Gen Con, we met uh, Jamie Stegmeyer, and like he goes to Gen Con. I actually don't think he went to this past Gen Con, but in previous Gen Cons, he basically goes and he works for the four days at Gen Con because mm-hmm. he just sits in this room where a bunch of people are like demoing games and mm-hmm. he just meets with people who who come with board game designs and even like the flavor like doesn't even matter it's just the mechanical designs and he sits with them and he goes over their game and if he thinks it's promising he can he'll like work forward with them and i think that's how a lot of these games my little um, scythe get published like my little scythe or wingspan where they're they're good games but you know for wingspan i i don't know how much of the original theme was there when originally it was designed because mm-hmm. uh, the theme is like kind of odd in a lot of ways but yeah so he's just doing it like a very i don't know open door publisher thing where it's kind of like give me you know you throw you write scripts on spec and throw them at somebody and maybe they'll make your movie or your right. tv show right. he's sitting there at gen con with his i'm imagining his feet up Talk on a table big cigar totally yeah, and yeah. Uh, you have to crawl toward him it's like jamie i got a game about uh dragons boring it's like it's like dragon's den essentially <laughs> exactly but like I, you gotta say i mean basically every game that they publish even who are designed externally they're developed really well like very balanced the components are always very good you <laughs> i think know? some people would fight you about that one to be really honest, about, about components uh, well not components but oh, the balance about, oh, but balance. especially some people mm, are, yeah, yeah anyway that's true because uh, they're bad at the game. <laughs> yeah, Harry good. wins every faction. That's fine. All right, so let's talk about Wingspan. Yeah, so Wingspan is uh, is a game uh, study of birds. If you, if you don't know already about Wingspan, like where have you been? Are you actually listening to this podcast about board games? <laughs> Radio show, Joel. Radio show. It's, right, been, right, right. it's been on the board game geek hotness list for forever. Yeah, yeah. it's the it one best game of the year in Europe. <clears throat> or best expert game, and it is a game about uh, collecting birds and putting eggs on them. Yeah, I guess you, the, the idea is that Breeding you, you the theme is that you have a bird area, I don't know, like a conservation area, and you are trying to attract birds and then yep. breed them to make eggs. I mean, the theme is really weird. Mechanically, though, it's kind of like a, an engine builder i guess where yeah. you have a you have a board in front of you and you add birds to the board by paying resources and the birds uh, uh give you bonuses to the certain actions that you can take to give you more resources which you can use to to plant or, or to, to play more birds onto your board yeah which it's kind of funny because uh think about it this way jack at the beginning of any worker placement you know or most of them you start with very few actions maybe two Maybe maybe a few more, 
and you can build up. You can take these manzies, right? Get yeah. more actions. In this one, you actually start with nine actions. Oh, my God. And in the fourth round, you're down to five. So you actually do less things as you go on because you have to kind of contribute an action to a point chart. Okay. And then is by that the required, end... required or is, can you ignore it if you feel like it? It's, it's required. required. Yeah. Interesting. In this, you basically are doing... a. L- you're doing less things, but your things are doing more. Yeah, I mean, you, there's only four actions that you can take in the game. So in the first round, you have nine actions, and you can take one of the four. But the, all the four do a very minimal base effect. Mm-hmm. When you use your resources to play birds, the birds augment the base action, one of the four base actions, and give an, an additional effect. Yep. And then every time you take that action, it gets more and more complicated. So by the end of the game, you only have... You know what? I guess five, five actions, or four actions. Sorry, six actions. <laughs> wow, counting. Uh, you would have six actions in the last round. Yeah. Because you haven't placed the fourth oh, right, scoring yeah. token yet, so you'd have six actions. But each action is the based action plus like up to five bird actions that, right. that give it bonuses or something. So. All right. Well, let's let's not dive too deep into it here, but let's get the the nitty gritty out of the way. What do you think of it? And is this, uh, would you recommend it? Um, the game is, I think there was a complaint. It was kind of like a hot take earlier on when the game came out that the game was really dry. And, and I, I kind of agree with that. It is a really dry game. But on the other hand, it's, it's a very thoughtful game. Like, there is a lot of randomness. There are 170 unique bird cards. Beautiful. But they all have Similar some effects. shared actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there's some randomness as far as what cards you're going to get, in which case how you're going to build your game. It's definitely not solved in any way. But um, it's not very exciting. Your actions aren't very exciting. Like, because you're so limited, there's a lot of times where in the beginning of the game, you have to literally use an action to take a food. Use another action to take a food. Okay, now I have enough to play a bird card, and that might enhance one of the other two, which is take cards or get eggs. Does it feel good doing that, or does it feel kind of frustrating and limiting for for the sake of a game? I mean, I think I think at some point you can start to build like bird combos where, yeah. where the, the individual effects of birds can can you know like kind of really combo with each other, which does definitely feel good. Yeah, it's pretty dry overall. Like the theme of the birds fits the game surprisingly well, but it's just a mechanically like it's a very mechanical game. Sure, you know where where there's there's four actions available to you, you, you augment them, but there's not. There's planning, but there's not that many like decisions to make on your turn. Yeah. All right. Then that this is getting into. Do you think? Would you recommend the game to people? Um, and do you think it deserves all the hype it's been getting? I've come into this like show and been like, you must play this game. You must buy this game. I don't think I feel that way about Wingspan, but I do really enjoy the time that I've spent playing it. Uh, sure. To re- I recommend it. To be tried, I wouldn't just go out and buy it right away. Yeah, I, I think I would recommend that you buy it. It's a solid game. It's not that complicated once you learn the rules. Like, after the first time you play, it's pretty easy to introduce to other people, uh, which is, I think, a, a strength. Yeah, and the, th- the theme you're saying is dry, but <clears throat> it seems fairly attractive. Like, you put it on a table, it's pretty, and everyone, looks everyone likes birds. Sure. The components a... are very nice. It's nicer to look <clears throat> at than to play. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a reverse terraforming Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. That's a good statement. Does it, here's it does it replace Race for the Galaxy as far as tableau building? So that's the interesting thing is it's it's kind of a there's definitely some dice rolling aspect because at certain points you need food for your birds and then you have to take them and put them into a dice tower. Um, but generally, you're gonna get what you want. Yeah, I would say there's not very much randomness to the game. I think you're you're drawing enough cards and you're taking enough actions that it kind of all evens out and honestly it's not even that much of a tableau builder compared to race for the galaxy where you are building up a bunch of effects that say you know when you take this action do it like do something else or gizmos for example that was something maybe yeah it's funny like they're very different in wingspan they put a lot of work into making the game easy to understand so when you take the action you also take each of the like extra bird actions but the way they've designed the game board you just work your way through the actions. so yeah oh, i don't cute. actually need to know like there's not very much it's not much you need to know yeah, yeah it doesn't take much to understand what happens when you're going to take an action because it's just like procedural it's just in front of you it's just a list of five steps it's a weird game jack them. it's really different 
Interesting. It's, it's really very different. different. <laughs> I and thought that, you guys so, were going to walk in. Sorry to interrupt you, Harry. Go walk in and say, it plays just like this. It's like Gizmos meets this, and it, it's it's fast, and there's tons of stuff going on. And no, I don't know about Harry, <clears> but it's not what I expected. Totally, yeah, yeah. I, I think if you are a board game enthusiast, I actually would highly recommend that you play it because yep. it is such a weird game. <laughs> I was not expecting this at all, and I'm really intrigued. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I still, you know, I mean, there's a lot of strategy in it, but I, I still don't know what's good. Like, I, I have been taking a strategy where I buy everything that's really cheap yep. and just do try to do things quickly, and Harry has built these very powerful engines where his birds will line up and do perfect things, but I guarantee you each of those costs three food, right? Those really good cards oh, you were yeah, talking about. for sure. <laughs> it's three food a lot. So one to three food <laughs> is the range, yeah. and sometimes you can, you know, choose which food you use, and sometimes you're locked down, and basically the, the harder it is to get that food, the better the bird will be, okay. obviously. All right. All right, okay, let's move on. We've got somebody in front of us right here. Let's oh, talk yeah, about this so, guy. So we played this uh, actually today. Uh, it's called Parks. Um, I hadn't really heard about it before Gen Con, but there was a lot of buzz at around it kind of at the the convention um it's a game about the national parks in the united states and i think there's 53 national parks and has just the most amazing art in this game and i have to say this is also like the best designed box of any game i've ever played everything packs perfectly well it has amazing what was the game you uh, called out the game i called out was roll for the galaxy is the worst yeah. Roll for the Galaxy <laughs> is a giant box with like five components and they're just loose. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it one of those things where they do like the sideways and then a drop just no, to no. Like try to make it look smaller? There's no insert. <laughs> There's no insert at all. There's a reason why the race or the Roll for the Galaxy inserts are very popular sellers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Broken Token was also at Gen Con with big discounts. That's yeah, sure that would have been kind of cool. Actually, very see. reasonable prices. Unfortunately, yeah. I bought them all already. So. In combination. Oh, oh my. <laughs> except, except for the Gloomhaven organizer, which was still like Those 100 bucks US. Yeah. yeah. All right, so what do you do in park? Because I'll take a picture of it and post it later. But uh, yeah, So uh, we kind of played it for the first full game today, although we didn't even end up finishing. But uh, two it's, seasons. it's like it's normally a worker placement. I, I would compare it to a lot of like racing games. Like, uh, I don't know. It kind of it kind of got the feel of Takedo for me, you know, because you're walking through, and I know right. that you get to walk through multiple times, but basically you have to you have to balance between getting to that thing that you want for sure, at, or getting the thing that's still valuable, and taking more actions, and taking more actions exactly. because then you get more stuff. Yeah, so every you play four seasons, and every <clears throat> season there is a hiking trail. Now you start at the trail head. This is adorable, and it's it the theme is like amazing. It's like Beautiful. totally spot on. Um, you start at the trail head. You have two hikers. The trail consists of, um, like, five action spaces to start, but you add an action space each season. And your hikers, you have two of them, they can move forward on the trail um, to one of the action spaces, but never backwards. Mm -hmm. And when you put your hiker on an action space, you just take resources from the supply. And then once you reach the trail end, you can use those resources to buy gear that augment your abilities, or you can use these resources to, to basically buy or purchase national parks which are worth <laughs> points at the end of the game. No, hold on. Is the game actually saying you're buying the park or is it is it themed you're, as like you're getting a map or spending, like a picture? So you're visiting the park. Okay. You're so spending your what your They're like views or like memories. So you're each, spending your memories. So each, for instance, one of the action spaces on your hike is like ocean. <clears throat> ocean. And when you hike past the ocean, you get two water resources and you can use those water resources to visit a park that has water essentially. So like some park in Alaska, let's say, which is on the ocean will require water resources among others, likely like mountains in order to visit. So you're kind of just making, you're generating resources by progressing along your hiking trail and then using them to buy Interesting. parks at the end. Complexity is surprisingly like easy, I yep. would say. You can also use that water to fill up your canteen and get a special bonus. That's <laughs> it's pretty cute too. Yeah, the, the theme is like every element to this game is a uh, is a uh, like spot on. Yeah, which is pretty pretty great. And the cover is making me like long for fall right now. Pretty hard here. Just 
black bears chilling by a waterfall with the little baby bear. Oh, it's adorable. So all the art in the game was produced, I think, by the National Park Service, which paid a variety of artists to create unique art for every national park in the state. So it's all different styles. Exactly. And, and you'll see it on the box, actually. It says like 53 parks or whatever, um, which is kind of an initiative to, to make this art for the... For the... So you point out the, um, the insert and stuff, game trays. I'm starting to see them more and more included by default in some games, which is one of the nicest things to see having some sort of organizer by built in with the game outsourcing a professional organizer this so if i what are the odds if i go in any park in the states in their gift shop they'll have so yeah they'll probably have a print of that park which would be in this game representing that park which is kind of nice and and these are like beautiful prints it looks gorgeous so i gotta ask too so wingspan what'd you guys pay for it oh well, we Watch bought your... the we bought the wooden tower, so yeah, we bought the ninety <laughs> US dollars. Nah, no way! Like the base game was twenty five. The base game was probably like fifty five US dollars. Yeah. And How much was the tower? The tower was like ten or fifteen. Fifteen. Oh my god! For like a laser cut, seventy out. US dollars. <laughs> yeah. All right. How um, much is park? How much is favorite park? I think parks was forty five. Okay. Um, and I gotta say that this game has an impressive amount of components. Um, and it fits into this tiny, like, it's a door, it's, like 10-inch square box. I wish more game designers would shrink their boxes down. And, like, I'm mm. not saying, because the problem is the board. That's where you really lose. But some, how many times do you open up a box and you're like, empty space and just wasted, wasted. It's like, there's, this is bulky and unnecessary. This game is, appears to be perfectly sized for a little experience here. Um, so, yeah, complexity, pretty low. I think it's like 2 out of 5 on Poor Game Geek. Uh, I, I really would recommend this game. It's it's excellent. Great. And a donation is made to the National Park Service for each game. Perfect. Yeah, it sounds amazing. great. And there's a, even a solo version of it too, so you can play by yourself if yeah. you're. <laughs> you have <laughs> no friends. It's, I think pretty much every game that I've bought over the last two years has some version of a solo version. I've never done it. No. I'm yeah. Have you ever Atoma? Automata. Automata. I think Mage Knight is the only game I've ever tried <laughs> solo, and that was something else. But all right, so parks. Moving on. What else did you guys play or buy? We talked about Western Empires, which we've kind of talked about a little bit. Let's do it. We, the two of us took part in a demo, which was uh, which was hosted by Flotahan, I guess one of the designers of the original. Okay. I did pre-order. So and and you did pre-order it. it. But uh, so yeah, we sat down with some other people, and it was probably a two-hour demo in which oh. in in the two hours we basically managed to cover the basic mechanics of the game. Wait, how different was it? And and that's it. Uh, one trading round. Yeah, we did. Yeah, essentially one trading round until the first. <laughs> did you hose flow? Advance by, and that's it. We did. We did jointly attack flow. <laughs> he's, he's On too the good. last round, we both attacked him together. <laughs> but the CEO of Nine 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 Games was participating with us just to fill up the fill up the last seat, and he was a hustler. I think that he's like really good at this game. He's incredibly <laughs> good. He f- somehow managed to get up to five cities. Like turn three for Rome? He, he had like the perfect starting. I mean, I assume that these, like the team plays so much of this game that they have like, they're doing they four know what the starts are. Yeah. Like they just know what the correct start is for each yeah. each yeah. nation. And yeah, he got up to like four <clears> cities <throat> immediately. And we played up until the first uh, advance buy and yeah. we traded in like a full set of wool or something. Come on. Oil, had, I think. Or oil. And he had way more. And the thing is, we else. did one trading round and he had, we, we just counted our, our currency. We didn't yeah. actually buy a tech. And I think he had 180. In, in the first buy? It was <laughs> after, ridiculous. after we had like six, six or seven cards each. They, he, that's luck. There's no yeah. way he got I guess all he that. had 10 cards because he had that amazing because start. he got so many yeah, yeah exactly i guess after with a lot of the mega Civ stuff or western empires your your intro is fairly programmed uh, yeah. for the most especially when you've done like you're saying four demos a day of like of doing the same thing over and over and over again but but flo did say that i was the only person to ever reach nine cities really in the demo joel also cheated i used tre- <laughs> i used treason to get the nine <laughs> That's was, not cheating. That's just smart. There's a point in the game where Flo was like, "Hey, wait a minute! Oh yeah, there <laughs> you was, can't have that I many people. Many it's impossible." Because <laughs> I had double, I had yeah, double yeah. stacked one of them. Oh no! Which I think we do all the time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, what, what what are you talking about? So like, let's say you're going along and you're doing your uh, population growth. Yeah, and you talk one on to one of them. And oh, and then going. you forget and you go back. And you, it's like, oh, oh, did yeah, I yeah. do that one? And yeah, then you yeah. put two more on, and then you've added two more than you if should. If only there's some sort of design decision that could be made that could <laughs> yeah. mitigate some of these common... Put them on upside down, I yeah. guess. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I love 
mega civilization or Western empires uh, as the new kind of publishing is. <coughs> it's it's not any different than mega civilization nope. at all. I think there there sorry there is some changes to the advances. I think, but you can buy an upgrade pack or an erotic pack. Exactly, yeah. Um, which is kind of disappointing. I think there's a lot of advances they could make. The games are still great. Yeah. Um, and then he did give us a, a kind of a little sneak peek. Yeah, if we're talking about Western Empires, we have to talk about our interaction with A, the CEO at the end, and B, our conversation with Flo, which let me just, you know, just card here. <laughs> Flo DeHaan. Mergers and acquisitions. Email. I've got his I've got his phone number. Sure? Let's read him out over the air. Let's, <laughs> let's reward Flo with <laughs> He's on Vomavake number two. Jesus, I was just <laughs> Go get him. I won't say. I won't that say. That's yeah. just a street name, so yeah. it's not, not the house. It turns out it's like if you know anything about the Netherlands, it's one place and it's very specific. Uh, no, I mean, uh, he. It was awesome, actually. We talked to the CEO, and I. We we're just speaking generally about the. Um, the fact that they had to change their name. Yeah, what, I'd love said, to hear what he said. Well, okay, well, they were coming out with a new release for Civilization, right? Because Francis Dawn? Tresham has come out with a... They've produced Civilization, the classic game. Oh, again. Gibson, yeah. yeah. And um, they, he, he said basically they didn't mind that they were producing the exact same game, but they, they had to change the name. That was it. And he said... What was his comment? That it was a little childish? Yes, yeah. He, he's he an old kinda British like, guy. He kind of shook his head and he's like, mm, oh, childish. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we asked him about piracy and what uh, what kind of house rules he'd recommend for the fact that piracy doesn't do anything. And he said, oh, I don't know. Let's ask Flo. <laughs> we already did ask Flo. We <laughs> and I guess Flo has play tested a bunch <laughs> and he, like, he doesn't mind the fact that uh, piracy doesn't do anything because there's one place in the east that doesn't have any coasts. And so it's an advantage for them, but they also can't get anywhere. Yeah, the interesting part, I guess, is his explanation why piracy doesn't affect in the game a lot of provinces is that those provinces because they don't have access to water just have lower population limits like they're they can't move as quickly because they don't have access to uh sea tiles and they have lower population limits because they're because they're internal which i guess is a trade-off that's not obvious but yeah, maybe that is something where it's like once you hit such an advanced level of this game that you you already are so cognizant of the weaknesses and strengths of some of these sieves that aren't apparent to me yet that yeah and i mean he did t- he did take 10 years to develop the game and flow, yeah, no, interesting. And yeah, his his team play tested all these um, other other things to do with piracy. In fact, a lot of people actually uh, say that the, just the fact of getting piracy is so bad because you didn't get that, your nine. Uh, yeah. yeah, to compensate people that draw calamities like piracy, uh, what was he saying that you could give them a water? Pardon? So that because the fact that you lose a nine good. Uh, give them water give somebody even, a even water as a really card. basic so in addition i guess so once to make it even nicer. once everyone like as a once everyone reveals their calamities yeah because it kind of sucks that you got a calamity instead of any good you would also additionally then give them a water mm. because then the number of goods they have received is still the same they can still trade they yeah can, they interesting can still trade, which is kind of like a you know water is not worth very much but you know, it's, it's at least... Pads just, out the numbers. Right? Yeah, the number of cards, which is kind of interesting. They said that they had playtested it. And, yeah. Interesting. Well, maybe we should do a bit of playtesting for them and see what happens. Were they saying any calamity, you get a water? Yeah, any calamity. Interesting. Yeah. Speaking of playtesting for them, we have two more updates as far as our conversation with Flo. Sure. Uh, the next thing is, it was a little embarrassing, but we came all that way and I had to. So I told him, uh, my friends and I have been... Um, playing around with creating an advanced version. He said, oh, like uh, modern day, we're like, well, you know, like starting 1800 and yeah. going to like 1940 or so. And he said, that's when he said, that's really interesting. Tell me how it's going and send me all you had. And that's when he got out his card. He never, cool. we never asked for anything. <laughs> he gave it to us uh, of his own volition. And then finally, I think you could tell us, uh, basically he explained exactly how uh, this expansion is going to work. Here yeah, you talked a little bit about uh, kind of the expansion that's upcoming where you have, uh, I guess, little little models of great works, I guess you might call them, that you can build and put on the map, which is kind of interesting. It gives you another, if you know, you know, Mega Civilization, it just gives you another thing that you can spend your trade points on. 
Oh, you, you buy it. So, yeah, it, rather than, or in addition to buying uh, technology advances, you can spend, it's like a pretty, like, paltry sum, like 30 or something. Hmm. And you put it on a city. And you put it on a and city. And it gives that city. Well, it gives that city some bonus based on which one you built. I yeah. think, which is kind of interesting. So a little bit of asymmetry that's coming out explicitly as opposed to just uh, subtly with the map. Exactly, yeah. And I think it affects neighboring regions of it the city as well. could give agriculture to areas. Yeah, oh. like, like I think, I can't remember which one. Let's just say it's like Hanging Gardens gives agriculture to like some, a number of provinces Neat. adjacent to, which is really cool. And like, I think, you know, if you were some civilization that doesn't necessarily kind of on the edge of whether you need agriculture or not, you throw in a city that's surrounded by a bunch of ones. Is that a joke? You don't need agriculture. <laughs> You know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good point. But in order to get more points, you need to then either get rid of that or um, have somebody destroy it. In which case, what do you mean? You get can more points? Then build a different one. Right. So I think there, there, you there is a bonus that you get. Uh, I don't think there's a bonus just for building them, but there's definitely for a bonus. Your own. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a great worker, a great building for each civilization. Mm-hmm. And you do get bonus points for having built your own. Sure. Which is kind of interesting. And I think it adds some conflict where you want to destroy or make other people lose their great work so they can build your own for points at the end. So could you, it seemed like when he was posting the stuff online that he's, he insinuated that you could lose it. Now, maybe I guess he's just referring to it being destroyed, but is there any way to take over someone's or occupy a great work that they've built? Yeah. I mean, I think if you destroy and control the city that the, the, you know, the great work or the great building exists and you do just gain control of it. It's not even destroyed. Hmm. Um, and I think that there are some other ways potentially that they can be destroyed. I'm not exactly sure. And this is a module. Hmm. This isn't considered to be a, a, like required to play the game with? A totally standalone optional module, yeah. Yeah, and the nice thing I like about it is it doesn't change the game in any way. It's <clears throat> things that you could go purchase, but it's just like the rest of the techs out there. You don't have to purchase any of them. For sure. And I really like that it gives you low-cost options to spend your trade points on yeah because you know sometimes you want to buy a 60 and you'll have 30 left over and you can like build a building <laughs> i like yeah. it that is like yeah i bought some pottery what am i gonna do with this romanian money i guess i'm gonna build the hanging gardens <laughs> yeah, it's, like, yeah. It's, it's an after i, I developed pottery and with my chain <laughs> <laughs> i built the great pyramid yeah, yeah. <laughs> digging in the couch to uh... <laughs> All right, this sounds great. And did you, when you pre-ordered Western Empires, did you, it yeah, comes, it with, comes it. with it. Because you're one of the uh, first, like, 500 1,000. 1,000, 1, yeah. Yeah, and I asked him, actually, how close he was to 1,000, and he said, I don't know. I have to, you'll have to ask that guy over there. I never <laughs> the went CEO. Oh, no, It was guy. one of his, uh, you know, nerds. Did he seem happy? He was really tired. It was 2 a.m. And, and he's on and dice he's time, time too. Yeah. And he had just done so many demos. And you could tell he was exhausted, but he was also still very enthusiastic about what he was showing us and he even went and got out a little box and in the box were the first models yeah, for the expansion production proofs for oh, the cool. expansion which was really cool all like red striping and everything just yep. like straight from the factory but yeah it was cool. still looked pretty cool and he and joel were like really nerding out about civilization <laughs> oh yes yeah, so we had an argument at the end oh, no, <laughs> not an argument you got in a fist we fight had with a Flo? <laughs> friendly discussion at the end about uh about tech paths Okay. And I said, uh, has anyone ever uh, won without going agriculture? Yeah. And he said, yeah, actually. And then he... Actually. Um, <laughs> I'd like to have Jack guess, because um, obviously we know that when you're doing a tech path, you have to pick a color <clears throat> and run with it. What do you think is Flo's favorite color? See, I don't know if this is a trick question or not. I'm just going to go with my, my gut instinct, and I'm going to say he's he's going green. He's going green. See, I like green a lot, but his favorite tech path, believe it or not, is yellow. It's full aggro. Yeah. It was really funny. Yeah. Which is like the discounts are bad for yellow. Yeah. They're all fives. Yellow is almost like up there with blue for subsidizing other stuff. Yellow yellow is all expensive buys with... And what's he pa- leading up to? With powerful upsides and bad downsides. He's leading mono? up to mono. Was that his path? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, was he like, must be a treat you to get play this with. and then you get this. <laughs> and he was, we had the whole tech line. Yeah. He's by this and then this and then this and then enlightenment. And that gets you right to monotheism. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, really I want to play more. We, when we play Mega Civ next time or God forbid Western Empires, it's, we, I want to see way more aggro. I want to I <laughs> see blood on the, the table because well, I, I think, think we play too nicely in general. I think we all agree and I think Flo agrees as well that <laughs> nobody wants to go red. No. Yeah. It, it's just the pure aggro. Well, it's one of these, and don't want to dwell on this too long, but in Mega Civ or Western Empires, whatever, as soon as you start to go aggro, 
it, it's an arms race and it kind of ruins everyone else around you. <laughs> and then the people are in the corner kind of looking with and this bemused look on day. their face. And they're like, well, they're out. So this Unless you are so good at what you're doing. And you've just like got this, you've just done a perfect job and you're sitting there licking your, your, all your money and honey. And uh... yeah, you really have to like get an edge. I mean, we've seen that people have gone aggro in, in some games that we've played, especially, you know, we played the 18 player game yeah. and there's a lot of aggression. It's just like no one comes out on top. No, no. Except for the people who are peacefully off to the side. Because exactly, you're losing yeah. your people yeah. in this yeah. combat and then you don't have as many to dispose of in your calamities. Maybe it's something more to think about in our, our future design <laughs> is to kind of make more interesting trade-offs and make it not as uh, cut and dry for you've screwed up if you've done this. So moving on from Western Empires. Uh, so we got to talk about Letter Jam. Oh, yeah. This oh, game is exploding God. right now. So, so good. It's not even out yet. It's, well, just from the Gen Con. People are saying it's it the, one of the hottest games. And it's a word game. Totally. So people are going crazy about we it. We tried to buy it even before we had played it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't on my radar heading into Gen Con. <clears> but then, like, yeah, again, so much buzz around it. Tried to buy it. It was sold out. We played it at the Board Game Geek Hot Games Room. And, wow, it's just, like, the best what is word it? Describe game that I've ever played. Um, basically, you, you pick a word for your opponent, or not your opponent, your uh, partner. Uh, basically, you get a, you get a deck of cards with a bunch of letters on it, and you take a look at the letters, and you make a five-letter word. Okay. In this case, five-letter, because we were playing in the medium difficulty. But sure. you could do four-letter, you could do six-letter. You scramble up those cards, or you shuffle those cards, and you hand it to them uh, one letter at a time, just laid out. And then they have to guess each letter to get to the end and then uh, and then unscramble that to make their word which isn't very difficult okay. but the, what the difficult thing is is in order to guess the letter uh, it's hanabi basically you don't know your own and so everybody <laughs> flips up their <laughs> their letter yeah facing out and then everybody else looks at everybody else's letter aside from their own and tries to think of a word that they could make out of all the letters that are up there and then uh, they don't actually say the word they just use these tokens, and they say, this is the first letter, this is the second letter, this is the third letter. It's letter Hanabi. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, There's except, a wild card in the center as yeah, well. Yeah, you can repeat people's letters, so mm -hmm. you could use somebody's letter three times if it, if it comes up in the word you use. And you can use, in that part, you can use any length word, and longer words are obviously better because it's more specific it's harder to get it for wrong. sure mm -hmm. so there's three of us here in the studio yeah let's say it was my turn and i knew that jack you had a t and joel you had an o let's say and there's a wild card i could space out i could assign letters and say um you're jack you are number one wild card is number two jack you're number three and four and joel you're number uh five and six and the word would be tattoo uh -huh. and but from your perspective <laughs> spelled correctly all you would know is, like, you wouldn't know your own letter. So from Jack, your perspective, it would be blank, wild card, blank, blank, <laughs> so O-O. I'm trying to figure out what's happening. Exactly, yeah. which is pretty tough. So it's like yeah. something with O as the fifth and seventh. Like, it's like, it's exactly. pretty tough. <laughs> My brain already hurts. But if it was tomato, <laughs> oh, I guess we would need one additional letter. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, you kind of... You can narrow that down maybe to, to you know, <clears throat> some small uh, section of letters. And then you do it again, and you kind of narrow it down until you think what you know what your exactly. letter is. You can also deny, like, you can say, like, I, I don't really know what it was. But, like, it, maybe it's between three letters. Sure. And then the next one and it figures it out for you. For sure. And they, and they give you, like, these little uh, cards, these little just, like sheets that you rip off a pad and you can use to like spell out the words and you track you know what the possible letters it could be okay. gives you the alphabet word. just in case it you gives you the it. alphabet yeah, exactly yes yeah, so you can run through the alphabet is it an a no is it a b no it's a c you know so is this a party game oh borderline yeah, it's borderline because it's pretty it's tough it requires thinking for sure so i think that it's not uh, not exactly a party game it can accommodate six people it's kind of on the limit as well yeah yeah for a party game yeah it's like uh I mean, it's really easy to play with family because, like, everyone loves, like, mm -hmm. board games like Scrabble, Bananagram, stuff like that. Um, it's like a code names. Well, that was going to be my yeah, question. Yeah, exactly. So it's like code does names. It, where would it fit with code names as far as, like, you know, you go to the shelf when you got some people over and you're like, oh, what, we, what should we play? How likely are you to take this over code names? It's just a step up on complexity, I'd say, just a barely. Because in code names, you can, you can kind of float along, mm -hmm. uh, depend on your team and really not contribute at all and just kind of be there. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what you suggest because you're you're probably wrong anyway. And it's cooperative too. You're all you're all trying to essentially like oh, okay. all finish the game, which yeah. is kind of cool. Um, I would definitely pick it up over code names though. Oh, here we go. 
I mean, I, I just love. Play it. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. is that because you played so many code names that this the game's kind of stale for you, or is this just such a, an interesting new game that you're you're liking it more? Yeah, I think it's just an interesting new game. I mean, I've only played it. Uh, we played it twice or three times. The newness factor for sure. Is, yeah, definitely. And I just love that, uh, you know, those like letter or like spelling games. Right. It's just a really, it's the best implementation <clears throat> of a letter or spelling game that I've ever played. Whoa, that is a big compliment. Yeah, it's really me. funny and fun too. Like the the words that people come up with and yeah, it's like we were having a great time all the way through. That's we were dirty. never like uh, sitting aside, right? Because you're right. always, you're always available to make a word mm -hmm. and you're helping everyone else out and then everybody else is going to judge how exactly, well yeah. you did in uh, in helping people out. but you can't be too helpful because every time you give out clues you're not getting any you're not moving forward yourself how stressful is it on a scale of uh, zero being code names when you're half in the bag to pictomania <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not actually that hard like there there is nominally you can lose the game by not you know, I like you said nominally you could lose. Yeah, the game. like if you're if you're <laughs> if you you can set the challenge level by determining the length of the words that you're trying to solve, which is good. So we did five letter words, so you had to get, you had to guess five letters in total mm -hmm. across like and ten you had guesses. Like ten, yeah. But you can just say four letter words to make it easier, and I think you want to reach that point where it's not actually. Like, everyone's going to finish. You know what I mean? It's more of just, like, the challenge. It's the journey. Really. I like, I think, actually, <laughs> Thanks, so this is a check games, right? So you'd expect, like, some quick, strict rules. Quick aside, the in the recent edition of Casual Gaming, <laughs> Gamer or whatever, uh, they had a, a story about check games and kind of, like, the background and the history of the okay. company and all that stuff. But anyway. And why their rules are so strict. Well, it, I, I think they sort of touched on that a little bit as if they're They known, took but... this in the totally different direction. So as far as, okay, what do you think the rules are for making a word? Have fun. Can it be a proper noun? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It, it says, <laughs> the answer it is says, it can uh, be whatever you want. It, even if you think it's a word, <clears throat> but it's not actually a word, like tattoo with one T. Yeah, we played with my girlfriend Chelsea <laughs> and she did tattoo with one, T, with one T, but everyone got there, you know? See, that's... Vlada had nothing to do with this game. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> somewhere his heart's hurting. <laughs> it's like and in the end, I think the to, to win, it says like as long as everyone's more or less figured it out or something, then you more or less win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it literally you're... says that. Yeah. All right, so this game's got to be super hot then. And from what you've described, it's an instant buy for me because my family, especially oh, yeah. my grandparents, and my mom, like they love word games. So this is totally. sounds like a lock. What was the price on it, by the way? It, not that you guys picked it up, but. It's got to be an expensive, sure. right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's cards. A, it's a stack of cards, and they give you little stands for for your cards. What's code names go for? But seventeen bucks, eighteen bucks. Yeah, fifteen to twenty. It's got to be more <clears> expensive <throat> than code names. A little bit more. The uh, I will say that the components uh, are lacking. I oh. say that the the cards are fine and the stands are fine, but they they give you this thing, this mechanic to um, to count down your guesses, and it's. It's pointless. It's, it's like a, there's a flower. Yeah, like <laughs> you put some circles on. Because you have you only have so many guesses to finish the game, sure. and you track the guesses by like there's a flower <clears throat> outline, and there's a bunch of like glass beads on the flower outline, and, huh. and each time you you guess, you remove one of the beads off the flower. But it's just like a piece of paper with like beads on it. It could be fine. It just doesn't look good. Yeah, it looks terrible. And also, there's kind of like a it's called letter jam. There's kind of like a fruit or like jam theme to it, which oh. is just weird. Yeah. This seems to me like they could have trimmed some fat and saved some box okay. on production. Yeah, like it, it's a letter spelling. You don't need any theme to it. Yeah. Like, uh, that's the thing. That is like, tried, the same with code names. Like you don't actually need the game. No, <laughs> it's a good point. It's like the fact that they invented this interesting game is the reason why we're paying them to to play it. Really. Yeah, you it's could proxy like, up. You know Good what? That'd you. be kind of interesting to do, like a family version of code names, where Just at an event words. everyone puts in one word, and then you mix it all up and make let everyone kind of play the. For sure, and honestly, with letter jam, it's just occurred to me right now is you could you could like proxy, very easy to proxy if you owned even if you owned Scrabble or Bananagrams, you could just draft the tiles. Yeah, right? you, like you could just play with the tiles. You <laughs> can you the can tiles flip the fingers. tiles up and stand Actually, them on just, the table. Or yeah, just spin the stand around in the Scrabble stand. Exactly. And have yeah, a, yeah. Oh no, check game is hey, gonna uh, shut us down. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> uh oh. Pi pirate the rules online. <laughs> pirate, pirate the, the whole rules. game. <laughs> this game. This game is very good. In fact, make a pirate ship, break into their headquarters, and steal all the games. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a pirate song. Anyway, Letter Jam sounds like a hit. It's definitely on my radar. Everything you've said is on my radar. But uh, So we've got a bit, couple more minutes left. What else have you guys played that was uh, exceptional? You want to rant about AEG? 
Oh, yeah. This is what I've been waiting for. I sent them actually an email today because they sent me an email (laughs) saying, check out all these games that were at Gen Con. Hold on. And you can get a discount, too. They even had the nerve. I want Harry to set this up because... (laughs) So so from an objective point of view... Not even objective. So... Uh, they there's a game uh, Valley of Kings which is kind of like a deck builder which um, you backed but, as well right which I backed as well it's published by AG it, 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 Valley of Kings existing game but they kickstarted or they started the kickstarter for a, a premium edition kind of like a collector's edition I guess which is just nicer comes with sleeves etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, so it was on kickstarter I backed it um, I backed two copies of it uh, Joel backed one copy of it <laughs> Um, we backed it thinking, of course, that it's a Kickstarter that, uh, you know, Excuse Kickstarter, me. they would send it out, um, fall 2019. Um, I ended up paying a hundred bucks. It was 50 bucks a copy. I bought two copies, hundred bucks because I bought two copies, no shipping. Unfortunately, uh, for our friend Joel, he bought one copy, 50 bucks, and then had to pay for shipping on top of the 50 but bucks. But don't worry, Harry. The shipping was very reasonable, and it was just a pittance. It's like, look, man, we, we're absorbing some of this. You're, you're absorbing some of this. It's fair. How much was the shipping? 23 US dollars. 24 US 23 dollars. US dollars. So you paid 73 US dollars for this game. Yeah. I mean, it's a like I'm looking forward to this game. Valley of Kings is great. <clears throat> um, but we show up to Gen Con. The worst thing is also that I had another person, another friend of mine, who also bought one copy and also paid full price for shipping. Right. So how both cl- of you. How clear was this that you would... It was down near the bottom. Up. I looked at it later and I could see that at the bottom they do say... And it was um, after... So it was actually after. Copies. It was during fulfillment. So you could buy... You would kickstart... One or one or two copies for fifty or hundred bucks. manager bump it but up. But they don't right? even yeah they don't even talk about uh, uh, oh, shipping at that that's point. That's why right? I didn't see it. Only once the Kickstarter ended, did they talk about fulfillment, and they said, "Hey, if you bought one copy, you have to pay for shipping. If you bought two copies, you shipping's free. Uh, and here's an opportunity copies, to buy yeah. a second copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So Joel, you went and you're super happy at this point. Yeah. So I go. I go. Let me just like lay down the scenario. So I, I, I go, uh, we're, we're buying that bag. Uh, me and Harry have been checking out games together the whole weekend. And then we split up. This is the first moment we split up. I go because I'm rushing. I'm actually trying to run through the exhibit hall, which is really hard because it's so grandma's out of the way. Seven, 70,000 people I jumped on this year. I'm sweating and I'm, and I've got this bag with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's got this super heavy game. No, it wasn't. It was uh, super light. Um, and I, I make it. I make it to uh, the DC tournament that I wanted to tr- have a second stab at. And I've got two minutes to spare. And I say, can I use generic tickets to join the tournament? And he said, sure. I give him the tickets. I sit down. I, I wait through the, the, in, the rules introduction that he, he gives to everybody at every tournament. And then everyone's sitting down at their tables and they're ready to start. And then one of the guys comes over to me and says, I'm really sorry, but uh, somebody's just shown up and they have an actual event <sighs> ticket. And uh, you get you were the last person to give generic oh, tickets. Man. This is like 15 minutes the into the event. And they kicked you out. So they kicked me out of the tournament and I'm all pissed off. And there's no this kidding. parade right in front of me <laughs> of cosplayers. <laughs> and I hated all those cosplayers. <laughs> I was like, get out of here. I'm just trying to get oh, back man. to the exhibit hall because I couldn't get through. <laughs> so I had to leave the exhibit hall out the back way, go around. Oh, this is too good. I come in and Harry sends me a text. He says, they've got Valley of the Kings here and it's 65 US dollars. And I was just like, oh, man. But I was, I was like, I'm not going to go over there right away. I'm not going to go try to get – because I thought, okay, you support someone on Kickstarter. That's kind of like – here, I'm giving you a leg up. I know that AAG didn't need the money. But still, when you're a supporter on Kickstarter, you think maybe, you know, let's make a deal. Yeah. So I was going to go over there and see if they would give me a copy for 50 or even if I could cancel it and pay 65 At least I'm saving some money. Yep. Uh, so I wander around the convention. Finally, I get to AG and I go in there and nothing, right? They, he said, probably not, but you can talk to that guy. Okay. So I go wait in line with the other guy. <sighs> I get to the front of the line and I ask him and he says, no, they've already gone to the depots. Yeah. There's nothing we can do. And I said, well, why didn't you make it available to pick up at Gen Con? Because I did send them an email. I said, "Yeah, could could I pick this up at Gen Con? They didn't even answer my email. Wow. So 
I was pretty unhappy. Yeah, pretty frustrating. I mean, like, it had gone out to, I guess, distributors, but they hadn't even shipped it yet for, for Kickstarter backers. Yeah, so they could have canceled my order. Canceled maybe just the shipping part. And, and save some money. And, and what was the worst was, like, on Sunday afternoon, right before I left Gen Con, I thought... Maybe I'll just walk by there and see if they sold out because that would make me feel a little better. Just that they didn't have any copies sitting there oh, no. of the game. And sure oh, enough, no. there were still like a dozen sitting on the shelf. And I feel bad too because I. It, this is, one of those is this your first back. Kickstarter board game? It's the first. Yeah, I said I would give Kickstarter one go. <laughs> at the worst and you picked one of the so like by a major company <laughs> who screwed you in shipping, and they weren't clear on yeah. like the, and they added things right. This this shipping thing wasn't there in the first place, which is, I find this is so frustrating for me to hear because the, it's shipping is one of those things that whenever I look at some of these games, like if something looks great, the first thing I think I'm worried about is the shipping on it because usually some of these guys are okay. Some of them are just atrocious where you look at a game that's like, hold on, I'm paying 70, 80 euros for a game, then you want to charge me another 30, 40 euros to ship it? You mean Western w Empires? Yeah, like, <laughs> Western Empires yeah. is like, ridiculous. I mean, it's a heavy game, but... it's Is it? Is it that heavy? Isaac Childress <laughs> can ship a 15-pound box or whatever it is for... that it was, Shipping oh, was included yeah. in it for $115, and you're saying you can't find a better way to send things around here. What did he do differently? Did totally. he just... Oh, my God. <laughs> It's, it's maybe Gloomhaven was just too good. It just really, <laughs> yeah. it just ruined everything. But uh, I, I'm disappointed that uh, you didn't. Were they at least like like helpful? They were or they're incredibly saying, like, indifferent. Oh, yeah. They just didn't care. They didn't care. They Boy. just wanted to get rid of me. Yeah, which was understandable considering <laughs> my mood <laughs> at that point. Because it just got be It just got worse because after I left that, I realized that I had left my sweatshirt oh, at, a, man. at a hotel. Uh, a couple blocks down, and then I went to meet them at the at the geek room, and <clears throat> and it was freezing. I don't know why really? the hot room was not hot at all. It was ice cold. Oh, the AC was and pumping. I, or... oh, man, if I don't get this sweater, I'm just gonna ruin my entire day. And thankfully, the sweater was there. And Joel and I were... turned around after that, and then we played Letter Jam. Joel and, and I were a having time. a great time together, and then we split up, and immediately his day <laughs> ruined. What have we found out here? Although then we played Era, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, with terrible uh, player board. But... Totally, like new game that's coming out. Maybe a topic for another show. Matt, Lee I think talk. so. The prototype that you were talking about, the uh, roll through the galaxy or through. Uh, the Ages sequel of some sort. Yeah, it's a, it's a, actually <clears> says <throat> in the description on Board Game Geek that it replaces Roll Through the Ages. Ooh, Everyone's favorite game, Roll yeah. Through the Ages. <laughs> um, so in the Die Moments of the show, I do want to get Harry's quick impression of the the one that I, the, the main takeaway that I thought was just absolutely astounding and that I was extremely envious of, aside from a lot of other things, but which is that simulation of the Cold War or war, oh, NOE NDSM. or NOS or whatever. Oh, yeah, we played NDSM or National NSDM, National Security Decision Making Game, which is kind of in a set in the near future. Which and I mean, we played maybe a, we could talk about the Scythe one. Yeah, we played that a, was a lot We played a similar game, which was set in kind of like a World War One, I, I guess, era, of it, but it was all Scythe themed. So it was kind of like the Scythe theme, but in a, in a large scale game with. Right. You know, 80 people, and, and everyone is split up into the different nations in Scythe, and you're just trying to accomplish objectives. And was it handled similarly to the other game where you're given, everyone had their own thing, there were po potential traitors, and you yeah, could exactly. exile you someone? You have public or... objectives, you have private objectives, and then this game is just moderators, and you go up to the moderator and you say, hey, I want to do this. And yeah. they say, sure, or no, you can't do that yet, or you need to bring me this, or someone else needs to sign off on it. And that's that's the game. You just do that for four hours. Yeah. But the cool thing in that one is that me and you had these very specific roles uh, where he was like a, a social inventor, more or less. He was he was building schools. Yeah, his oh. idea was uh, come up with philosophy, and mine was uh, medicine, medicine and radiology and, and electricity. And so basically, Both men of science. And people culture. would come screaming at me. We need to do something <laughs> about the Russians. They're going to invade our oil fields. The Rusviets are attacking our to... border with mechanized bees. Exactly, and I had to come up with like some kind of bee-proof <laughs> suit. <laughs> and I'm like, like, how do you invent a bee-proof suit? I'm curious. Well, the problem is I didn't have any of the skills involved in, <clears throat> in building a suit. So I had to, like, go talk to the Nordic scientists and get their skills. Uh, we did collaboration. It was really cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah we, we actually well used uh, horse leather. Okay. 
because we because early in the game we had made super horses, which like as the trade off, the administrators said that they had a really short lifespan. Well, then we've got all these dead horses. What do we do? Oh my god, they were just sitting around, (laughs) just free leather. Yeah, (laughs) just like in Minecraft, you just hit it a couple times, and then all of a sudden things pop out of you. That's great. So, which one do you think was better, though, the scythe or the uh, cold? I think the the scythe one was just better executed. Yeah, the theme, yeah, the theme was very good. A lot more to it. Yeah. I think the NSDM one has had years of of history, and I'm sure they've had some really good games. But for ours, I feel like maybe they were understaffed or something. It just it, it, sure. it felt like chaos. It was like people were doing silly things like uh, uh, gorilla people. Yeah, gorilla human hybrid. Now was that supposed to be accurate? I was gonna say that. So thematically, that was upsetting. Versus like in the scythe game, if you had gorilla human hybrids, like yeah, why not? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> <For sure. laughs> Well, great. Thanks for coming in, Harry. Thank you for helping Joel and Jack understand yeah. your impressions of... And thank you, Joel, for helping Jack understand your impressions of Gen Maybe Con. Gen Con 2 of 3, because yeah. we've, we've got way more to He's got games. way many... He, right, well, I've seen his list, and it's, it's next week, we, All right, next week, more Gen Con-related stuff, all right? So stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Support the station, blah, blah, blah. <laughs>